0: Hello, and welcome to our second Global Tech mom episode. I'm Caitlin, your host for this episode, Subbing In for Alex. And I'm here today with our EU podcast team that will give us the latest news from Brussels. Hey, Mike. Hey, Anna. Hello. And hey, Morgan. Hello. And now that we've said our hellos, onto the content. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into the European Commission's recent antitrust actions against Apple's App Store and Apple Pay services, and what this means for competition in the online world. We'll also speak about the launch of our recent study on the state of the app economy in Europe. But first, a bit of EU tech history and some headlines.
1: For tech history this month, we'll go back to a key milestone in communication technology bridging Europe and the US the Transatlantic Telephone Cable System. In June 1955, the largest cable-laying ship in the world at the time, Her Majesty's Telegraph Ship Monarch, launched from Clanville, Newfoundland, direction Scotland to begin laying TAT-1, the first Transatlantic Telephone Cable. It took 15 months for the work to be completed and the line will be inaugurated in September of the following year, in 1956. And after the uh, Cuban missile crisis in 63, the line carried the Moscow-Washington hotline between the American and Soviet head of states. And this is because it took the U.S. nearly 12 hours to receive and decode the initial settlement message that had been sent by the, um, the Soviets. And by the time the U.S. had prepared an answer, a more aggressive message was received. So, after the success uh, of the T-81, uh, a number of other uh, cables were laid and the T-81 retired in 1978. And that's all for tech history.
0: And now it's time for Brussels Bites. Anna and Morgan, I hear a lot is happening right now in the EU. Fill us in.
2: Yes. It has been a very busy month in Brussels. The European Commission published its two-year evaluation report on the infamous GDPR, which of course stands for the General Data Protection Regulation. The report shows that the GDPR is an overall success, with citizens being more empowered and aware of their privacy rights, and businesses having just one set of rules to which they have to adhere. However, the report also revealed some shortcomings in the application and enforcement of the privacy law across the EU's member states. Some data protection authorities do not have the necessary resources to address the GDPR violations that they are responsible for. In particular, the um, authorities in those countries where large tech players have their headquarters, such as Luxembourg and Ireland. And on top of being cost intensive for small and medium enterprises, The uh, evaluation also highlights that it is hard to predict how the GDPR will apply to new technologies, such as facial recognition technologies or artificial intelligence. Um, The commission will continue to monitor the implementation of the GDPR and has another evaluation scheduled for 2024. And it's also worth noting that... In parallel, the European Commission is preparing for the eventuality that the EU-US data transfer agreement, known as the Privacy Shield, will be invalidated by the European Court of Justice. Um, This ruling is expected later this month and we'll be watching out for that.
1: So while we're talking about data, Germany's highest court ordered Facebook to stop merging and sharing user data across its platform. So while it's no secret that anyone who registers on Facebook consents to such processing of their data, the German antitrust body said that Facebook's use of data from its other platforms, um, such as WhatsApp and Instagram, is exploiting its dominant market position. And the court justified its position by indicating that users would not have agreed to such a merger of data at the time of the registration, and therefore it confirmed its 2019 decision to ban this practice altogether.
2: And in more Germany news, the EU's largest member state took over the presidency of the Council of the European Union last week. So the uh, Council of the European Union is the institution that represents the 27 member state governments. So German Chancellor Angela Merkel is now tasked with leading EU leaders to agree on a massive economic recovery plan to help the bloc cope with the coronavirus fallout. The German presidency also announced that it will build a high-performance, sovereign, and resilient European digital infrastructure in order to save Europe's competitiveness through the coronavirus crisis and to secure its sovereignty. In part, this will be done by pushing forward the e-privacy regulation a digital tax, common European data spaces, and the French-German cloud project Gaia X, which we talked about on the last EU episode.
1: Continuing the COVID-19 tracing app saga, the UK announced that it will switch to the Apple and Google model for its Taste and Trace app. The UK did tend to develop an app by itself after it appeared not to work well enough on Apple's iPhone. The original plan will have a Uh, allowed an app with a centralized design where data from phones could be pulled and made available to the NHS. Apps that use the Google and Apple technology are decentralized, which means that data stays on the individual's devices, helping to safeguard privacy. This is the approach that is followed by Italy, Germany and Switzerland, which will hopefully um, allow for interoperability across the EU.
0: And that's all for Brussels Bites. As we mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about competition issues in the EU. The European Commission just launched antitrust investigations into some of Apple services, the App Store and Apple Pay. This is a very important development for competition in the EU. That said, Mike, what exactly is the European Commission investigating?
3: yes so the commission is uh opening four formal antitrust investigations the first three are about the app store and the last one about apple pay Um, and so for the app store um, the investigations are uh, looking into whether the app store review guidelines violate any uh, eu competition rules so there are two restrictions that the commission will focus on The first one will be the the requirement to use uh, Apple's own in-app purchase system uh, for distributing digital paid content and uh, payment of the 30 or 15% uh, fee on that. And then the second one is the restriction on informing users about alternative uh, purchasing possibilities. So Apple's principle is that if they bring the customer, they get to have a cut. And if you have an existing customer, or you have a customer who signed up for your website and then downloads the app, you get to um, keep all the money. Um, the commission is basically looking into whether that principle is in violation of any uh, EU and antitrust or competition rules. And then there are uh, two separate complaints by Spotify and uh, Kobo, which is an ebook audio uh, distributor on the impact of app store rules uh, in music streaming and ebooks and audiobooks and then for the apple pay uh, complaint or investigation the commission will assess the terms for integrating apple pay in merchant apps and websites uh, on iphones and ipads and then also look at uh, apple's limitation on um, accessing near field communication which is required for you know, Apple Pay and other pay-as-you-go features, but it can also be used, um, you know, to get a lot of private information. And so Apple is limiting that, Um, but the commission is looking to see if limiting that, Mm -hmm. even though it protects privacy, may violate uh, any kind of antitrust or competition laws. So next uh, steps are that the commission will complete its full investigation, which might uh, take several years and see if there was a breach of competition rules. And if it finds that there was a breach, uh, they could impose remedies. And those remedies, you know, could be very serious and have a, a huge impact on the App Store. But the whole process is likely going to take several years.
0: Wow, yeah. Okay, so um, any changes in the App Store rules, we understand could lead to fundamental, fundamental changes in the App Store's business model. And the changes in the App Store mean the developers on the App Store, aka our members, could see changes that affect them as well. Mike, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about what that might look like and how changes to those rules could impact our members?
3: Right, so, so many different remedies are possible and we don't know which would be picked or if they will be picked, but the last thing we would want to happen is, for example, that Apple would be required to create multiple app stores from different companies and make them available on each uh, iOS device, because that would just make our life as app makers much more complicated. It would increase our costs, we would have to test our app on different platforms, support it on different platforms with, you know, subtle differences or different app stores, it would just create confusion for our customers and make our business more complicated and more expensive and probably affect the prices or our ability to create new features as well. So um, changing the rules that in a way that would impact small app developers uh, would would be very detrimental to us. And uh, we're, we're concerned, we want App Store guidelines that, uh, you know, like they have been, Uh, are applied to all app makers of regardless of size and applied equally. And so uh, we hope that those remedies will not have a negative impact on the uh, App Store ecosystem and our businesses in particular.
2: And, you know, overall, it is really important to understand that app stores like Apple's or Google Play make it possible for thousands of small European developers to easily create and distribute their products and serve a global audience immediately. And this is very much to the benefit of consumers as well who can easily access and enjoy these innovative apps. So. At the same time, the app store also provides quality, security, and a good user experience, which are all essential for small businesses like our members, so they can build consumer confidence, and it allows them to focus on improving their products rather than, uh, rather than these other things. Um, and as we know, the app stores have seen huge success and a lot of innovation from small app makers, because every developer is treated the same way, no matter their size, like Mike said. And this puts small developers on a level playing field with the big brands. So we're concerned that potential legal remedies could lead to making exceptions for larger players with more bargaining power. And this would ultimately distort competition rather than leveling the playing field and lead to higher costs for small developers and consumers. So, We really want to underline that the app ecosystem works and is successful because everyone can be a part of it. So we will engage with the commission to ensure that the level playing field is preserved and that companies of all sizes can continue to thrive in the app economy.
0: Absolutely. So um, how will the competition investigations against Apple influence the ongoing discussions uh, in the context of the Digital Services Act? How how likely are these competition cases to influence these ongoing discussions?
1: Yes, this is actually a very important point. Um, Executive Vice President uh, Vestager of the European Commission, uh, who is in charge of competition policy, indicated that Apple appeared to have obtained a role as a gatekeeper when it comes to the distribution of apps. And the reference to gatekeeper has a specific significance because the European Commission is currently consulting on updating regulations for digital platforms Um, that will be included in the new Digital Services Act package, the DSA, and the new package is floating the possibility of ex ante regulation for platforms considered as gatekeepers vis-à-vis other suppliers. And in legal terms, ex ante means A regulation that aims to identify and remedy problems before a law or rule is violated by regulatory intervention and so the Apple competition case or cases will enable the European Commission to gather additional information and data to feed into this uh, ongoing legislative process and while we're talking about uh, DSA, uh, we had the opportunity uh, for one of our members, Dora Parfi, CEO of image Labs, to speak on behalf of P- app makers in a panel organized by From Europe and where Executive Vice President Vestager as well. And the event included industry, uh, think tank representatives, uh, as well as officials from the U- uh, EU institutions to discuss what the DSA and ex ante regulation could look like. And Dora made some very important points reminding that app stores are important for app makers to distribute their product worldwide and that some gatekeeping is needed, um, especially to keep bad actors out of the market, for example, uh, when it comes to privacy or the security of young users. So I suggest we listen to some of the sound clips uh, of the event.
3: Uh, Can I move to now, Dora?
4: Hi everyone, Um, my name is Dora, and thank you so much for having me on the panel. This will be a rather rather lightweight uh, contribution. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Imagilabs, a company that is inspiring and sparking the interest of teenage girls for technology and programming. Uh, The reason why I was invited to this panel is because we're part of the App Association, uh, which is a a group of thousands of independent app makers all over the world. and I'm here to represent uh, the actual developer perspective. Just a little bit more about my background and, and what I'm working on. So Labs, my, my startup, just recently launched our, our first product. So we have a physical gadget, which I have right here. Uh, this is the Imagicharm, which some people call sort of a modern age Tamagotchi that you can customize through coding. So what happens is that our users learn to code in Python, a programming language, through creating different visuals and animations that they can then upload to their gadget and and show the world what they can create with code, so we're making programming more tangible and and relatable. So this way, we have both the physical good that we we sell and distribute, and we also have an app um, that's live on on the app store. So from my perspective, both for my company, the reason why I started is because I believe that technology is so incredibly powerful and important in shaping our future. And today women are not equally involved in tech, which is why I'm working to bring more women women into technology. But when you think of apps in particular, um, I just think it's it's so exciting and so incredible how much uh, apps are contributing to our everyday lives and, and to our economy in general. I mean, of course, during COVID there were Extreme amounts of new apps that just came out to actually make people's lives easier and better. Uh, learning about the disease, learning about um, where you can get tested, getting new information, staying connected with with friends and family. So in general, uh, obviously, I just have a, a very uh, strong opinion how much uh, apps are are contributing to to bettering our lives, and so that sort of brings me to to my second point where. Um, Actually, as a small company who has launched an app for us, the um, the existence of of app stores and platforms has been a very important. We rely on these platforms to to distribute our our app, and um, actually being in a unique position where we have both the physical good and the app uh, has, I think, uh, given me an interesting perspective where we're very much used to uh, relying on or having to figure out how to distribute physical goods and that being a really big challenge. And so in comparison to that, launching our app on the app store was incredibly easy and has given us the opportunity to to focus on the user experience, to focus on developing our product and do what we're good at and, and have uh, a global reach instantly to, to be able to be ensured that, uh, the safety and security measures are in place um, so really it has given us a, a big big chance to to rather focus on on building our app um, and be able to reach many users quickly so of course um there is difficulties and, and there is problems with the app stores but the guidelines for us have given us a uh, given us a good structure to sort of build up on um, but of course, I understand and agree with uh, necessary regulations. Um, and so here, um, I, again, I come from a non-policy background, so don't necessarily know the exact definition of gatekeepers and what it should be. But I definitely um, agree with the points that were just brought up uh, that that behaviors and behaviors in particular should be regulated. And I think some gates are important for for keeping. Um, bad actors out of the market and and for our app and especially because we're focusing on uh, younger audiences, uh, what I foc- what I think of a lot and what I focus on a lot is is, is you know privacy and security of, of young users and how much the uh, existing platforms um, help us uh, provide that security. Uh, and then finally, I I'm really just wrapping up quickly, but uh, coming from you know startup tech background, what we do always is we focus so much on our our users, and we we gather a lot of data, and we iterate quickly. So I I wish that uh, more voices like mine will be uh, heard when it comes to regulating uh, apps and app stores, because we are essentially the the end user or part of the end users of of the regulations that are being made. The majority of apps are developed by by really small developers. So if uh, regulations will be made, then it it's important that our voices are, are heard, and not just the voices of really big uh, players who are able to um, yeah, get louder and and have a bigger reach. So, um, so I think yeah, it's important to to sort of preserve and support what works, and 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 then regulate based on um, based on data and and, and insights from from the players in um, in the market. Thank you. Uh,
3: thank you, Dora. Um, excellent. So. As you listen to Dora's remarks, it's very clear that um, making decisions about regulating the app economy or app stores is must really rely on on data on solid data, it can't just be anecdote anecdotes. And uh, with this in mind, we felt it was important to uh, create a, an, a study of the app economy and look at the economic data and how Our app makers really impact the creation of jobs, the use of apps, the creation of economic opportunity all across Europe. We went uh, to Deloitte Finance and we uh, commissioned a study that they uh, spent a few months uh, working on and it shows really great results. The app economy in Europe is really thriving. It's generating 187 billion euros in revenues of uh, which uh, 87 billion euros are direct uh, to app developers. And uh, we held a press briefing um, Monday, the 29th of June, which was the day before the DSA conference, uh, to introduce the study. And so the team of economists from Deloitte presented the study. And we also had somebody from the Commission there, uh, Marcel Boulogne, who's the head of sector for the European Platform Observatory. And uh, I think he's, they're releasing their report, their interim report about their work next week. And he shared some uh, updates and previews about that. Um, so we believe it's really important to make data driven decisions. And we hope that the Commission will continue to foster an environment with uh, support for continued growth in the app economy.
0: Absolutely. Thank you all so much for this update. Um, you know, it's really important that we're always looking out for our members. Um, and I think that this issue is definitely something that, you know, our U S members can sympathize with, um, when it comes to competition. And, um, it's really important that, that our members feel supported by the platforms that they're on. Um, so thank you guys so much. Um, Now we're going to move on to the Member Spotlight.
1: So this month, we are highlighting the work of Imagilabs. We mentioned previously that founder uh, Dora Parfi spoke at the DSA panel. So Dora and uh, Beatrice Yonesou, two native Hungarians, became co-founders of their startup Imagilabs, based in Stockholm, Sweden. Labs sees technology as one of the most powerful forms uh, to chape, uh, shape the future and, unfortunately, women are underrepresented in tech and therefore, if we apply the logic, they do not get to shape the future. So Dora and Beatrice's own, um, own educational journeys influenced their business idea. Um, Dora studied computer science while Beatrice became an electrical engineer, Fields. In which they both experienced the lack of female role models, peers, and professors. So the mission for Imagilas was quickly uh, very clear: we really to increase the number of women working in STEM by teaching teenage girls how to code.
0: That is a wonderful mission. Um, so, so what are they doing to accomplish that goal?
1: So during her graduate studies, uh, Dora researched how to get young, younger women interested in technology. And as part of a design project, she consulted teenage girls on the gadgets they would like to use to increase their knowledge about technology. The um, insights she gained from this study ultimately formed really the basis for the idea of Imagine Lab. So dora just needed someone to build a device uh, for it to become real and her friend beatrice was the perfect fit for the task soon they brought their third co-founder Paula in to be their lead developer the first time the product was called the magic case a phone case with embedded led lights that could be programmed via an app to display text or patterns uh, of different colors and by allowing users to program their LED lights, the app taught them basic uh, coding concepts of Python. And the Imagine case eventually evolved into the magic Charm uh, designed with and for teenage girls. The Imagic Charm is a programmable Bluetooth accessory that users can attach to keys, to, to bags, to clothing. And the magic Charm's LED lights are customer. Uh, you can customize them via the mobile app and through uh, the apps built in Python coding tutorials users connect with each other over the shared interest in programming and this community feature also lets users participate in challenges test new features vote for new themes and choose new colors and uh, will give uh, each other feedback and through 2019 uh, Imagilabs uh, involved hundreds of girls and young women in the development and testing of the Imagicharm and taught them how to code. Uh, we're very excited for them because in May the Imagilab app went live on the App Store and the first batch of 800 Imagine Charm was actually shipped
0: that is amazing. That is such a fun way to learn a really useful skill. Um, so, so what's next for them? What are they what are they tackling next?
1: Yes, and lots of lots of good things. Um, and this summer, they're planning to hold uh, a coding, uh, multiple coding workshops remotely to teach even more women uh, across the globe uh, how to use the email charm and to learn about programming. And as computing jobs are projected to grow over the next uh, few years, we must really close the representation gap that exists in the tech and the STEM fields overall. And Imagilabs will actively uh, continue to work towards closing that gap. And uh, this is absolutely an amazing project and we really support them uh, a lot uh, in their mission.
0: Absolutely. We love to see our members doing awesome work like this. And this is really something that's exciting and something to be proud of. Um, If you would like any more information on any of our member companies or anything we've discussed so far in the podcast, head to our show notes where you can read all of the things. And we've reached the end of Tech Swamp. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to the EU edition. If you want further information, don't hesitate to go to our website and on our podcast page. Where we'll have show notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff.
1: And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher to be updated on all the latest podcasts. And of course you can follow us on a daily basis on Twitter, EU Appmakers.
0: Thanks for listening. Everyone say bye. Vielen Dank fürs Zuhören und
1: bis zum nächsten Mal.
3: Bedankt voor het luisteren en tot de volgende keer.
1: Au revoir et à bientôt.